welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. All right, we're in the home stretch of our six weeks series, which means we've been at this for over a month. You've been studying, reading, learning, maybe begrudgingly sighing when you think about some of your work some days because it's an investment of your time. And so for those who have been a part of that journey in that way, I thank you. And for those who have not, we still have some books if you'd like to embark on that on your own, or if that's just not going to work now, that's okay too. But we want to think about what it means to be a disciple as a part of the United Methodist Church because that's who we are. When we say we're United Methodist, we're also saying we're not other things. And we know as United Methodists that a disciple is a follower of Jesus whose life is centering on loving God and loving others. Amen? So the path of discipleship begins understanding that it's all founded upon grace, God's grace. We move toward perfection through God's grace. And so as members, we have said yes to moving on to perfection as a member of the church through prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. And so we focused on prayer, that if we continually focus our lives and we focus on where we've come from as God's people and the needs of the world so that as the body we are ready to meet those needs as God has called us, prayer is what centers us. Presence, we continually come together as the body for worship and for study, and we remember our story, and we remember who we are and whose we are together. And then gifts, as we continue to develop our generosity, in every way we break free from our servitude to mammon, which is important. We want to place our hope in God, not in the uncertainty of money. Amen? And so today we focus on what does it mean to be in the way of service? We're going to do a few things. I'm going to walk you through some history of the temple and the priesthood, and then we're going to hear from the scripture passage, which focuses on those things, and then we're going to focus on what the passage is trying to say to us, and then talk about our gifts and how we can offer ourselves in service to the body of Christ. Are you ready? All right. Thank you, Maureen. Maureen's ready. And I'll apologize ahead of time because I usually drink half-calf coffee. But we made full strength this morning, and I have had some of that. So if I'm a little amped up, it's either the spirit or the coffee, or both. But for those who are new to the Christian faith, those who maybe aren't familiar with the idea of temple and priesthood, or for those of you who might enjoy a refresher, I want to start with understanding our Bible a bit. We have Bibles. Yours may look like this or very different. There are many translations. They are 66 different books put together into one collection, and so we call it our Bible. We have Hebrew scriptures that run to about here, and then we have Christian scriptures. Sometimes we call this the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Hebrew scripture books are all found in the Jewish collection that they call their Tanakh, or their version of the Bible. You can guess the Christian scriptures are not found in their Tanakh. They are ours. And as you studied in the prayer portion of our series, you learned a bit about how to understand the Bible through our 
scripture, tradition, reason, and experience, but you also learned United Methodists don't generally focus upon the scripture literally. That may be new, new idea. We, the Bible is authoritative. It is the most authoritative thing we have, but we read it literarily, meaning if it's a poem, we read it as a poem. If it's a prophetic text, then we read it as a prophetic text to help us understand our past through a prophetic lens. If it's a mythological story or if it's a parable, something that's meant to communicate truth through a story that maybe didn't actually happen, we read it as such. There's apocalyptic literature, it's really fun, in Daniel and Ezekiel and Revelation. We read it as apocalyptic literature. If you start reading Revelation literally, you are going to be terrified, and you're going to get focused on some things you shouldn't focus on, and that happens. We have letters from Paul, so we read them as letters. We have letters whose authors we're not really sure of, like the one today. There are common themes in the books of the Bible, and so some of these themes run from beginning to end. Some of them are just found in a particular section. Today, we're going to hear about a theme that is present throughout Scripture, and that's why we're going to get some history on it first, so that when we read it, you may have a bit better grasp on what the author is trying to communicate. So we're going to read from a letter we call First Peter. This particular book was most likely written in Rome to churches not too far away in that time, late first century, early second century. So there's a theme of temple here that they all would have just known. But have you been to a temple lately? That's kind of foreign to us. In their day, they would have looked down the street and seen temples to all sorts of gods, and they would have known of the temple back in Jerusalem. We've never really even seen an actual temple, have you? In that sort? I've been to the Parthenon in Nashville, the recreation, which is pretty amazing if you've not been there. So let's think about temple. Long ago, in the Hebrew Scriptures, that first part, there's a story of God's presence coming to be with people. And I know we talk about that a lot, but if you can think about what it would mean if you were going to host the presence of God in your company today, it takes on a serious form when we think about that. The creator, the deliverer, the great I am of Exodus gave instructions to build a tabernacle. It's a fancy word for tent. It is basically a movable temple that they would pack up and they would go to their next place as they wandered and they would rebuild it and it would be there. The presence of God would come to be with them. Then they'd pack it up and they'd move and they'd set it back up and the presence of God would come to be with them. And there's very particular instructions on how to build the tabernacle. At that time, Israel's wandering in the wilderness and know that every group of people at that time had a particular land that they belonged. It gave them identity. They have a relationship with the land that we don't. We don't talk about land this way. Every bit of land had its own God and their understanding. So you get your identity from the land and from the God of that land. And so these people are wandering. So who do they belong to? What is their land? This tabernacle was groundbreaking. This was a God who didn't live in a piece of land that wanted them to come live on as well. God went with the people. This was groundbreaking. No God was like this. Our God is different. And God promised to be with the people wherever they go. And so 
they built the tabernacle. It's a sign of identity. And then the tabernacle is also this place where God's realm and earth overlap. So God's realm is where everything is as it should be. There's no injustice in God's realm. Things are as they should be. And then there's earth. But in the temple, they come together in this strange way, the tabernacle. And so you have to prepare that tabernacle space. You have to clear out everything that might be impure, that might corrupt the space. And so there were special rituals for everything you brought in there, including people. A lot of it involved blood. If you want to read that, go to Leviticus and just don't eat while you're reading Leviticus. And you'll read about how they properly made everything pure to be in this space so that when God's presence came and God's realm dwelt on earth, it was not corrupted. And then there were the priests who were charged to maintain that space and make sure it was not corrupted, which means the priest could not be corrupted either. And so this priesthood was established purely to maintain the tabernacle. Now, there were 12 tribes of Israel, and I know this is, we'll go back to Bible basics. Long ago, there was Jacob, who's one of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. So Abraham is Jacob's grandfather, Isaac is Jacob's father, and then Jacob's sons are regarded, there were lots of sons and daughters, but 12 of them are regarded as the 12 tribes. So every tribe is named after one of those sons, the Benjaminites, the Levites. Can you think of any more? I won't put you on the spot like that. There are more. But the Levites are who we want to focus on because they were chosen of the 12 to be the tribe to focus on the tabernacle. So the Levites didn't work in the field. They didn't work with animals. All these things make you dirty, and you have to be ritually cleansed. That makes sense? And so, they would all follow the purity codes to ensure that they were clean and pure to maintain the space where heaven and earth come together, where God's presence exists with the people in the tabernacle. You with me? Okay. So, they did the sacrifices. They burned the incense. They, they did everything. It's a very high calling to be a priesthood, and uh, it still is. So eventually, even though God did not instruct them to, they built a stone tabernacle or temple they called the temple in Jerusalem. So God is now suddenly stationary, if you will, in this place. The temple was in Jerusalem, which is also called Zion. You ever see the name Zion? It's referring to Jerusalem. The priests served there. The temple was eventually destroyed by a superpower called Babylonia. And they took all the people to Babylon, and they, they destroyed the temple, they destroyed the city. And then eventually, 70 years later, Persia defeated Babylonia and let the Israelites return back to the land, and they did, and they built a very modest rebuild of the first temple. But they were always longing for the temple to be this place where heaven and earth existed. And then there was a second temple that was built by King Herod. You may have heard of him from the story of Jesus' birth. It was magnificent. King Herod was a fancy man, only the best, and was building God's temple back as such. And it wasn't even completed until after Jesus had died. So Herod died in 4 BC, and the temple wasn't completed until 40 or something like that, 50, I can't remember when. But then in 70 AD, Rome came and destroyed it and ground it into dust. In fact, you can see the rubble still to this day from where Rome threw rocks over the side after they destroyed the temple. Brought a lot of questions to mind. This is the space where justice is supposed to be present, truth, and it's gone. There was a dream 
even as the second temple was being built, that God would come and build the temple and fill it with presence fully, so much so that God's realm truly did exist and came upon all the people. And so they were waiting for this. A few decades after Jesus was, uh, or I'm sorry, First Peter um, was written long after the temple was destroyed. The temple's never been rebuilt. And it focuses on the dream that God's temple would one day be rebuilt in this great way. So instead, the author of our book says the temple has been rebuilt, but it's a spiritual temple. Where God's presence came in the tabernacle and the temple in Jerusalem, First Peter aligns with Christian understanding that the very presence of God is on earth right now, not in a stone building. Amen? Rather, God's Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, is within us. We are the temple, Paul says, the body of Christ. And so, the author says, we are living stones. And that's what it's referring to, a metaphor of the older building to help us understand who we are. So with that in mind, now let's hear from 1 Peter. Now you were coming to him as to a living stone. Even though this stone was rejected by humans, from God's perspective, it is chosen, valuable. You yourselves are being built like living stones into a spiritual temple. You were being made into a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Thus, it is written in Scripture, Look, I am laying a cornerstone in Zion, chosen, valuable. The person who believes in him will never be shamed. So God honors you who believe. For those who refuse to believe, though, the stone the builders tossed aside has become the capstone. This is a stone that makes people stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Because they refuse to believe in the word, they stumble. Indeed, this is the end to which they were appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are God's own possession. You have become this people so that you may speak of the wonderful acts of the one who called you out of darkness into his amazing light. Once you weren't a people, but now you are God's people. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Thanks be to God. The church of the day of First Peter is given a message, the same message we are given today. God has fulfilled the promise and rebuilt the temple and brought the Spirit to us. We are disciples. We follow in Jesus Christ, described here as the cornerstone or the capstone. Those are two different kinds of stones, but they do the same thing. They have a special place and purpose. So a cornerstone was the first stone laid. And you set that first cornerstone correctly, level, straight, and then build everything by that cornerstone. And so if you don't have the right cornerstone, if you throw it aside, assuming it's not the right one, your building is not going to be built correct. And so the rest of the building's alignment will be all determined by that one stone. The understanding in Jesus' day was that he was not the one. And so he was tossed aside through betrayal and er, death and crucifixion. 
But Jesus' resurrection was a way of validating that, yes, he is the cornerstone, and his way is the way. He is the way. And so he rose, and he brought the Holy Spirit to the disciples to house God's presence, to be the new temple. So the construction of the temple began in him and continues with us. You ever thought of yourself as part of the temple of God? Sometimes it gets watered down a little bit in a good effort, but that you shouldn't, you know, eat bad food, that that's what it's referring to. It's not what it's referring to. You house the presence of God. We do as a body. God's presence is now here among us. Do you believe that? God's realm and earth overlap in our space. This makes us both temple and the priests because we maintain the temple. We maintain ourselves to be pure of heart so that we can be a pure place where God's realm can work and be. We're charged to maintain our lives in the way of Jesus. Like all of Israel, we disciples were chosen to be a holy people. Another way to say it's nation. Group of people is a nation. We are a people who are God's own possession. To be fit for this calling, we must align with our cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Amen? Christ was full of love and grace and truth. Jesus lived a life of love and grace and truth, obedient to God, serving God, and obedient to others, serving others. Remember, it goes together. It makes sense, doesn't it? We're disciples whose lives are centering on loving God and loving others, just like Jesus. Everything Jesus did was an act of service. Have you ever considered that? Healing, teaching, calling, leading, warning, forming, restoring, eating, washing, submitting, dying, rising, all in service to God and us. Can you think of one story in all the gospel stories where Jesus wasn't acting in servitude? We can think of a concrete moment where he took off his robe and got down on his hands and knees and washed the feet of his disciples. But his whole life was lived with this kind of idea, being obedient to God and and servitude to us. That is our calling. When we accept the call to discipleship, we submit ourselves to baptism, we receive the same spirit and become a part of the new spiritual temple, the new body, to follow the leading of Christ, to become the body of Christ, and to live our life in obedience to God and in service to others. We become servants, not volunteers, servants. A volunteer signs up and shows up when they can fit it in, right? And it's great. Volunteering's great. But we're not called to be a volunteer. We're called to live every moment of our life, even when it's inconvenient, even when we don't have time to be servants. So the thing is, in our servitude, we've all been equipped, too, with gifts. You know that? You have a gift, both in talent and desire. And what I mean by that is generally what you care about has something to do with your gift and your purpose. You were gifted by the Spirit with spiritual gifts. You've been given abilities and strengths that other people around you don't have. And the task is simple. Understand your gift, embrace it, and offer it 
and servanthood to the church. And then, friends, you get to experience the joy of watching God work with it. I'm living proof of this. Do you think that I've always wanted to be a pastor? I haven't always been crazy. I tried a number of other avenues, many, any other avenue, but I finally submitted and understood my gift and my my desire versus what I thought being a pastor was. I learned, okay, I'm ready. My life is blessed beyond anything you could imagine. I'd never even heard of Sellersburg before three and a half years ago, and here I am, it's home, and I have a family, and it's beautiful. So what is your gift? What is your gift? How is God calling you to follow in the life of service, in alignment with Jesus as the cornerstone? And friends, you can't retire from servanthood. It's possible. Do not discount your gift. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how, I'm not going to look at anybody, how seasoned you are. You have a gift, and maybe multiple. The church has been built right here for the last 150 years. That was not by accident. We have been built right here for today. We are here for today and what God wants to accomplish through us. We are a temple. The presence of God and God's realm are here and now in us and through us and for us. And Sunday mornings are a time when we devote ourselves in worship. And don't you feel the realm of God when we come together in love? It's why you're here. It's miraculous. And yet, it's just how it is. God has built this church and brought you here and you and you and you. God has brought you here. You were chosen, you were appointed, you were called to be priests to the community of Sellersburg United Methodist Church. We are priests to the community as a whole of Sellersburg. It's actually in the language of my appointment. I'm not appointed to this church. I'm appointed to the community. Everything we need for God's temple is already here. Do you believe that? When we bring our gifts together, we have everything we need. When we prayerfully discern our calling for our community, we're going to find that our mission is going to be right in front of our face, who we are, to make disciples of Jesus Christ, to transform the world. And when we prayerfully discern together, we're given the vision on how to accomplish that mission here and now. And every single gift will be needed to do this. If anyone sits out, it's not going to happen but we lack nothing. Jesus Christ gave us the Holy Spirit, the presence of God to be a temple, to be members of one body. And the Holy Spirit calls us together to be the church in service to the community. You only need to say yes. I'm ready to serve using my God-given gifts. Are you ready? And don't overthink it. If you're like me, you'll overthink it, and you'll talk yourself out of your gift. Don't do it. Trust God more than you trust yourself. And so if you are ready to say yes, then I have an invitation. It's going to make you uncomfortable. Are you ready? It's coming, whether you're comfortable or not. Those of you who are doing the workbook took the spiritual assessment inventory on page 84 from the third day of our week. And if you've skipped over that day, go back. Take it. It's a simple test, take you about 10 minutes, and it will tell you some of your gifts. It's more generic, but it will help. Share those gifts. 
let us know. Email me, call me, find me, tell me. And also tell me, how do you think God is calling you to use those gifts? Because there are a lot of people in here who maybe have one gift, but you may be called in very different ways. Everything we need is right here. Amen? So, if you're willing to share, while we sing this last song, I would like you to walk up here and talk with me and share with me your gift, and we will write them down and we will put them in that cross, and then I'll be connecting with you later. But share with me, what is your gift? Where do you really want to serve in the church? And if you come up and say, I want to serve, I have no idea where, that's awesome too. We'll figure that out together. But as we, as we sing this last song, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to share a litany of assurance, and then we're going to sing our closing hymn. The choir will be up here. And if you're ready to offer your gift in a new way today, then simply come forward over here and meet me, and let's talk about it, and let's celebrate it together as we sing We Are the Church, and let's just dare God to work through us as God is just waiting. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, you fill us with the breath of life and the power of grace. Help us to be aware of your presence within us and among us, that we may open our hearts and minds to understand these gifts that you give, to use them together in your service, to know and to do your will. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com. 